The song that you're hearing right now is Souvenir du Futur. I probably mispronounced that because I do not speak French. However, translated, it means Memories of the Future, and it comes from the band Arno Decia and the Clockwork Wizards. They are a surf band based out of, well, go figure, France, and this comes from their album Retro Futurisme Volume 2. You can find it over at their Bandcamp page. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course. It's provided to us courtesy of their record label. So big thanks to them for letting us play their music this week on the show. What is this show? Well, it's the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It is Monster Kid Radio, and we're doing things a little different this week. What's not different, though, is, well, me. I'm still your writer, host, producer. I'm still Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the podcast. Now, I did have something lined up for this week on the show, but scheduling and all that got in the way and I wasn't able to get the recording in that I wanted to get in, so that didn't happen. So we are going to talk about Curse of the Undead on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio with Todd Brown at some point. It will happen. I just got to reschedule with him a time to do the recording and then allow myself enough time to get the editing in. And you know, that's something that I want to talk about. And there's a lot that I want to talk about. We're actually going to peel back the monster curtain a little bit. I'm just going to kind of bear myself to you in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. It's really going to be an episode in which I kind of walk you through what happens to put together an episode of Monster Kid Radio, kind of a behind the scenes kind of thing. I don't know if that kind of thing is going to interest you or not. So in case it doesn't, well, you can still listen because we got Mark Matsky's beta capsule review and he's always knocking it out of the park and he never has to call an audible and come up with some sort of filler behind the scenes episode when things don't work out because he is on top of it. Mark has been rocking it. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. You're the man. And we really, really need to schedule that ultra monster, ultra man, ultra Q kaiju discussion at some point. You and I we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Maybe later this year. I really want to get that done. Anyway, there's a lot of things that I've done with Monster Kid Radio that I've really enjoyed and I think have really worked out. And more importantly, there's a lot of things that you guys and gals have done with Monster Kid Radio for Monster Kid Radio that has really elevated and made the show even better than it has any right to be because really in the end, it's just me sitting here yelling at my computer about monster movies. Wednesday can only handle that for so long before she's ready to leave the room. So thank you for not leaving the room when I start going off about monster movies. But I really just want to kind of walk you through the week, walk you through what I do here on MKR and, you know, try to make it as monstrous as possible. So we're going to get into all of that and Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review and anything else that might come up along the way right after this. Flesh and blood terror, blood spilling, bone chilling, towering terrors in one twin thrill show. The crawling thing. As clutching terror reaches toward you, the scream you hear will be your own. It's too awesome to describe, too terrifying to escape, too powerful to stop. The crawling thing. Plus, from another world, 
the creature of evil. Half man, half monster, but all horror. Feel your throat grow tight with terror. Watch, listen, shudder, die. The creature of evil. Can you stand to see the most gruesome twosome ever made? The Crawling Thing and the Creature of Evil. Produced in Hollywood by Maniacs. <laughs> Buried alive in each man is a strange, depraved creature that turns the soul into a battleground of sin and violence. Turning life into an inferno. In Dr. Henry Jeffers, this knowledge, perhaps it was his quiet ways, his unloving wife, his simple, homely face that drove him to unleash this inner presence. This was Jekyll's inferno. Dr. Jekyll gave life to the unspeakable evil of Mr. Hyde. Rich, handsome, decadent Mr. Hyde erupted to spew adultery, viciousness, murder in the greatest macabre spectacle of all time. American International Pictures presents a fascinating new Dr. Jekyll. A terrifying new Mr. Hyde. Robert Louis Stevenson's study in terrifying evil. Jekyll's Inferno. In color and megascope. Dr. Frankenstein found the secret of life, but he lost control. Now, in a screen thriller, Frankenstein's castle of freaks, his monstrous creations, fantastic creatures break free. See Rosanna Brazzi, Michael Dunn, Edmund Purdom, and international beauty Christiane Royce in Frankenstein's Castle of Freaks. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. At a Tokyo construction site, a capsule made from a mysterious metal is discovered. Along with space archaeology expert Professor Fukuyama, the Science Patrol rushes to the location. While one time capsule, estimated to be hundreds of millions of years old, is collected for study, another escapes detection and is inadvertently transported to another work site by dump truck. Thus begins episode 19 of Ultraman Demons Rise Again. As Fukuyama and company race to decipher an ancient language found in the first capsule, the second is detonated by a lightning strike, unleashing the giant red monster Banala. At the same time that a scientific team is applying electric shocks to the first capsule, Professor Fukuyama relates his terrifying translation to Hayata. An advanced civilization had liquefied two demonic monsters and trapped them in the capsules, burying them underground and warning that their release would signal the end of humanity. The discovery is too late. The blue monster, Abaris, bursts out of the research center and cuts a path of destruction through the city. The monsters converge at the Olympic Stadium where they engage in a savage duel. When one of the creatures wins in decisive fashion, it's up to an energy-depleted Ultraman to prevent total catastrophe. Demons Rise Again has a number of elements that make for a solid episode with story points touching on the mythology of ancient civilizations 
heroic scientists willing to enter into battle, crowd-pleasing kaiju versus kaiju combat, and a lot of spacium beam usage by Ultraman. It should be noted that this story was the inspiration for the 11th episode of the 2016 series Ultraman Orb, in which a fearsome monster is released after eons in captivity. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. of Northern California. Bigfoot, filmed in Bosburg, Washington. Bigfoot, filmed in a beaver swamp. Authentic motion picture footage, never before seen. Now, in the legend of Bigfoot. The following announcement is a special bulletin direct from American International. It may be too late. Our planet may be doomed. Armies have been alerted. The hotlines are in constant use. Civilization is in chaos. The monsters are in revolt. Now a direct report. This is Jay Webb in New York. Godzilla is laying waste to the city. The citizens have never known such fear. At the same time, Rodan is attacking Moscow. The city is alert for military action. In London, Manda is spreading horror in its path. And in the Far East, Peking trembles under the wrath of Mothra. We must destroy all monsters. Yes, destroy all monsters, or our civilization will be destroyed. Destroy all monsters is a motion picture. See for yourself. It really could happen. Destroy all monsters in color from American International is rated G for general audiences. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. So since I'm doing this as a sort of week in the life of the monster kid who runs Monster Kid Radio, I thought I'd start with, well, where my week typically begins when it comes to putting together a new episode of Monster Kid Radio. So the new show goes out Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. And before I get too far into this, I do want to talk about what's happened over the past couple of weeks. Now, two weeks ago... I don't know why the show didn't go out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, the way it was supposed to. There were some issues somewhere. But the truth is, I 
didn't get the show done until like 3.30 in the morning on Thursday morning. So I could have easily have done something on my end because I was so tired when I was trying to put the show out. Last week, I had a similar situation happen, except this time around, I actually fell asleep while editing. And uh, that's kind of how some things slipped in that shouldn't have slipped into the show. Now, I can hear a lot of you already. I can hear you banging away at your keyboard saying, Derek, take care of yourself first. Derek, your health. Derek, your sleep. And I appreciate that so much. We're all friends here. I know there's a lot of talk sometimes of how people feel like they've developed friendships with personalities and and folks that they know online, but really those feelings aren't reciprocated. I think the word for that is a parasocial relationship. I feel like what we've got here on Monster Kid Radio is a little deeper than that because I do truly view all of you as friends. If you want to talk monster movies with me, I'm game, whether it's over the phone, Skype, Discord, Reddit, or in real life. And I appreciate that you guys and gals care about me. I care about y'all too. I feel very committed to Monster Kid Radio. After doing it for over 500 episodes, I feel like it's part of who I am. It's part of my routine. I just have to shift my routine a little bit to producing the show earlier in the week. And I'm going to strive to do better, not just for me, but for you as well. So I appreciate the support and the concern and the patience and the understanding that I let something slip through last week. Second ago, I just referred to everybody as you guys and gals. And while nobody has said anything, I know that this isn't necessarily the most inclusive way to refer to people. So I'm going to try to shift my language a little bit, inspired by the person who runs Alternate Histories, which is a great Etsy shop and Facebook page. The guy puts together awesome monster mashup greeting cards. Before I started making my own, that's actually where I used to get my greeting cards through him. And he doesn't just do Christmas cards. Uh, one of my favorites is a Godzilla card. It's a good, well, soon card, but on the front of the card, it's a Godzilla image, but he's got him in a sling. Uh, there's another one with Santo walking down a hallway and it says love creeps up on you. It's just cool stuff. Anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes, but inspired by something that he posted on Facebook the other day and something that I've been thinking about anyway If I have ever used language, pronouns, gender-specific language that has been inappropriate with anybody, I apologize. I'm going to try real hard to get away from the guys and gals and start saying gang. That seems a little bit more inclusive. So anyway, I don't want to dwell on it too much. I just want to put it out there. Okay. So (laughs) Thursday's usually a recovery day for me. I don't do a lot of... um, podcast work on Thursday. I might watch a movie. I might try to schedule a recording, but Thursday is kind of a recovery day for me. Friday's when things start to pick back up again, especially since I have the monster kid movie club stream to prep for on Saturday, which is also something I probably ought to start working on sooner than I normally do. Maybe that's what I can shift to Friday or Thursday. Excuse me. See, I'm now getting my days even mixed up. Anyway, for those of you who don't know, I produce and run a day long movie marathon on Saturday Starts at around 11 a.m. Pacific with the pre-show that's put together by Scott Morris. And then around noon, the movie starts. It's all Pacific time. It goes to about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. And it's on Twitch. It's free. You can join us and hang out in the chat room. There's usually a live chat going. We play a live round of the Classic Five, and I've been doing some new questions over there as I get ready for the second core deck of that to be coming out. And it's just a good time. 
But, you know, there's some work that needs to be done ahead of time. And I've talked about this a little bit on the stream. What I normally do is I could run it live. I could do it on the fly in that I start a movie, stream it from my computer, go when the movie's over, start up the next movie. But a lot of times I'm not sitting right at my computer when the transition happens. So what I'll typically do is create an eight to 10 hour long video file that has all the movies, all the commercials, all the ads, all the bumpers, the space for the intermission in the classic five, the pre-show Kenny segment, if he's doing one, the whole bit. And then I set that up to start a particular time so I can set it and forget it and walk away. That takes a little bit of work. So maybe I should start working on that on Thursday. You know what? That's what I'm going to do. See, I needed this probably more than you gang needed this. Anyway. Friday, I usually start scrambling for the Monster Kid Movie Club. And then on Saturday, it's nothing but Monster Kid Movie Club. Now, while that's running, I can do some limited computer work here. I only have one machine. Would really like to add a second, but finances. I can do some work and I'll start editing some audio for the podcast, whether it's an intro or an outro, or if I actually have a recording in the hopper, I can go ahead and start editing that as well. If nothing else, maybe I'll start looking for some new music to play, which sometimes can take a little bit of time too. So I'll do some work on Saturday and then Sunday, I'm slowly starting to get back into the swing of things. You'd think on Monday is the day that I would start the work on the podcast proper. You'd think, but we have the Monster Kid Astronomy Club on Tuesday, which is about a five to six hour block of movies, as well as a Star Trek chat that I do with Jeff three times a month. Jeff Polier, friend of the show. He's been on the show quite a bit. He's the man. And, you know, I, I sometimes don't even get started on the podcast until Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday during the day. And I try to get it all done before 4 p.m. because I have a standing 4 p.m. Skype conversation with a couple of dear friends. And so I'm always scrambling to get all that done. That conversation typically lasts about three or so hours. And then after that, I'm back to editing and I'm trying to get the show done on time. If I have a really good recording where I didn't do a lot of us and ums, it doesn't take nearly as long to edit, but depending on what the technology is doing that week, uh, how me and the guests are doing, how the guests and I are doing, that's probably more proper in terms of our ums and uhs, how many breaks we had to take, how long we actually go for. Editing a conversation can take anywhere from two to three and a half, four hours. And that's with all the tricks that I use to speed things up. That includes all the filters, that includes all the noise reduction and everything else that I do. Speaking of noise reduction, I may try to run some extra noise reduction on this conversation. And you probably have noticed this in recent episodes of the podcast. And that's because I've had the air conditioner and or every fan in the world running while I've recorded. Now, I've done my best to keep the fan from not pointing directly at the microphone. In fact, if I don't, it kind of sounds like this. If I'm looking at the uh, sound wave right now as I'm recording, you can kind of see it coming in a little bit. There you go. Yeah. Nope. We'll turn that up. That, that's got to be annoying. Anyway, I've got that fan turned away from me. It's We're in the middle of another heat wave here. It's supposed to get up to the upper upper 100s. It's supposed to peak 100. So, yeah, I'm trying to do everything I can to keep it cool in here now for me, for the computer, for Wednesday. Not necessarily in that order of importance. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. You'll be hearing some of that while I combat the heat. Okay, so what kind of things do I do for the show other than just scheduling a time to record, which usually takes about one and a half times longer than what the recording actually ends up being? 
just because there's a lot of the the pre-recording chat, the post-recording chat, and it goes back to that whole, you guys and guy did it again. You gang are my friends, so I want to talk with you and see how you're doing instead of just diving right into the movie discussion. And yeah, I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I love doing that. I love checking in with people because again, friends, you know? So for example, I have a recording scheduled for tomorrow night. And tomorrow night is Thursday because yes, I am recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So tomorrow night on Thursday, I have a recording scheduled with Steve Sullivan to talk about the original invasion of the body snatchers. With any luck, that recording is going to go on without a hitch or, or happen without a hitch. And we'll release that episode next week. It's kind of like a follow-up to the conversation that Jonathan Inbody and I had about the 1978 version of the film. I'm looking forward to it. Here's the thing. I've known Steve longer than I've known Monster Kid Radio. Steve and I are friends. We're fellow writers. We're fellow creatives. We're fellow gamers. We have a lot in common. I've met him numerous times in person. He's been to Portland. We've met up at Monster Bash. I'm going to want to chat with him. We're going to want to talk. So that hour-ish long conversation that you're going to hear on the show next week will probably be about an hour and a half, two hours on uh, in real time. And I think that's fine. I'm not begrudging him. I'm just letting people know and kind of saying it out loud for myself to hear what goes into putting together an episode of Monster Kid Radio. And I think that's really what I'm doing here. I'm kind of processing the production cycle or, or process of the podcast. I, I know I've been doing it for over 500 episodes. I've been podcasting for over 10 years altogether. And you'd think this would all be kind of like boom, boom, boom. I can rattle off the top of my head. But the truth is I've never really sat down to talk about and track what it takes from start to finish from pre-production to hitting publish over at my podcast host. I sure hope it's an entertaining episode for everybody. You know what? I've been talking for about 10 minutes or so. Uh, why don't we take a short break and I'll come back on here right after this. Action you've never seen races across your screen as you thrill to a new dimension in picture making. Carnival of Souls. This is the shocking story of a who crawled from the river to race through a nightmare, walking a tightrope between heaven and hell. From the unreal, she crashes through to reality. But try as she will to lead a normal life, she is torn from a goal. There's no privacy in her life. She's ever watched, tormented. Either it's her neighbor, desirous of her physically, watching her with his leering eye, or it's the evil eye of the man, the man who taunts her, the man who wants her. From the bottom of the river they come. They reach for her. They demand that she dance with them at the Carnival of Souls. She is a girl driven mad by the relentless forces of the beyond. He will not relent as he comes for her again and again. She whirls between the real and the unreal, trying to cling to life. I like being with you, really I do. I don't want to be alone tonight. I want to be near you. Honey, you don't want to go in there all by yourself, do you? 
but she must watch herself in death. She must dance at the carnival of souls held just for her, for they have come for her for the last time, claiming her as one of their own. Carnival of Souls arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refunds. Carnival of Souls is the shocker of all time, guaranteed to sweep you into a new dimension of picture making. You can't afford to miss Carnival of Souls. Four, it may be the age of lunar exploration, but in the bowels of the earth, nothing has changed. Dracula still reigns supreme. Now, for all you lovers of the occult, he returns in Dracula, A.D. 1972. And for you lovers of the macabre, Crescendo, a new pitch of terror. See Dracula, A.D. 1972 and Crescendo, both from Warner Brothers, rated PG. Viewing completed. Computer ready. Firing tower ready for firing. Fire! T-minus 60 seconds. 57, 56. Here is the picture it took courage to make. It took tens of thousands of years to build our civilized world of today. Tens of thousands of years in which people fought for the right to seek happiness. We must make certain that future generations will continue to have this right. We cannot destroy this heritage. But the ambitions of a ruthless few may transform this earth into a lifeless wasteland. Do you men believe that peaceful coexistence is possible in this world? What about you, sir? How about you? Can you believe in peaceful coexistence? You want to? But too many troubled spots are building world tension. It took place yesterday. It's happening today. It may happen tomorrow. terror of a last war is constantly casting its ominous shadow over us. If, within a few hours, a nuclear bomb were to explode over our heads, it can happen tomorrow, so you must see the last war. Now, you didn't hear any of that because I was playing commercials or promos or trailers. I'm not sure what I played here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, who knows what will happen during post-production. But during that break, uh, I've been communicating with Steve Sullivan about the recording we're going to be doing tomorrow. And I was texting somebody as well, setting up some plans for later this weekend. Uh, and also sending a message out to somebody to confirm my plans for this evening. So here's the kicker. <laughs> Earlier, I said that a lot of times I wait until Wednesday, unfortunately, Wednesday night to get the bulk of the show done. What else happens on Wednesdays around here? Weird Wednesday at the Joyce Cinema, and they're doing it again. It is back on. It is live for now. You can actually go to the theater and enjoy Weird Wednesday, and he's shown some doozies. I haven't had a chance to go and partake yet, uh, 
but he has shown some films for Weird Wednesday, and uh, I miss it. Now, tonight I am going to a movie, but I'm not going to Weird Wednesday. Another movie theater is open, the Academy Theater, and they're showing Carnival of Souls, which I have never seen on the big screen. You know what? In retrospect, I think, yeah, I'll have played the Carnival of Souls trailer during that last break. Anyway, I've never seen it on the big screen. I don't think, unless Jeff showed it for Weird Wednesday once, and I don't remember. Everything's kind of a blur. And <laughs> time has no meaning. Anyway, I'm going to go see Carnival of Souls tonight with Dominique Lamsey's, who I haven't spoken with in person in months. I mean, I chat with her online all the time. She and Chris McMillan and I are kind of like a little writing group, mastermind group, and we, we kind of support each other there. But I haven't actually spoken with her in person in a while. So it'll be good to connect with her, watch an awesome movie at a pretty cool theater. I'm a big fan of the Academy. It does suffer from the same problem that a lot of other theaters around here suffer from, especially the smaller theaters. Parking is awful, but you know, it is what it is. I will make sure I leave early enough to uh, find a good spot to park in. But yeah, I'm going to go see Carnival of Souls tonight. And if I can find my Zoom recorder, my handheld recorder, I might even bring it along and try to fill out this episode with some thoughts about Carnival of Souls on the big screen. Unfortunately, my place is in a state of disarray. And there are certain things that I have misplaced or buried under stuff that I can't find anymore. And one of those is my recorder. I know it's here somewhere. I'm not concerned that it's gone. But... I don't know where I set it. So we'll see what happens. To be clear, I'm not complaining about anything that I do on Monster Kid Radio. None of this is a problem. I love doing it. I just hate needing to do other things other than that, like sleep and take care of myself. <laughs> uh, it's a bit extreme. But let's talk a little bit about the things that I need to do that aren't related to the podcast directly. Heck, they're not even monster related talked about this on the show. I'm pretty open about it on the podcast. I'm not as open about it on Facebook, but Brenda and I are divorcing. We haven't filed the paperwork exactly yet, but for all intents and purposes, it's done. We're still friends. We still see each other once a week. We still communicate at least every other day. Uh, we're still friends. So there's no animosity there. Uh, she has moved in with the roommate. She and a coworker are living together now. Uh, I am still in the place that she and I shared together, the condo that we live in, and I'm going to have to move eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, I can get out of here. So I've been spending a lot of time trying to find somewhere to live and without having a quote unquote real job, that makes it really difficult. Uh, so there's that too. I'm, I'm looking for apartments. I'm checking out apartments. I'm avoiding all the scams because holy cow, there are a lot of scams. Whew. <laughs> while looking for somewhere to live, one thing that I'm trying to keep in mind is that I'm going to need to podcast out of that location. Ideally, I'd love a two-bedroom place that I can turn the second bedroom into the office studio area. Not having a job makes that really difficult. I'm not really looking for roommates. I don't know if I'd do well in a roommate situation anymore. Uh, I've had roommates growing up, um, but I just, I don't know... If I could do that now, not that I haven't had offers. Yeah. Wednesday and I need somewhere to go. So we're looking into that and we're trying to find somewhere that I'll be able to podcast out of. And then there's the real job situation as well. Um, you know, I've been turning in applications, trying to get remote work because of my health situations. Uh, if you know of anybody hiring anything legitimately, 
for remote work, please hit me up. I've gotten some great referrals from some of you already, but there's that too. I keep weird hours. So even if I work a full nine to five type full-time job, I'll still work on the podcast in the evening. No big deal. But that does add some extra stress and uh, upheavalness to everything going on in my life. And that includes getting, uh, anyway, why don't we play some voicemails? And just as a heads up, Steve's voicemail, you're going to hear that here in a second. There's some spoilers about the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers, just so you know. Hey, Derek, Steve Sullivan here calling in. It's been a while, and I know that uh, we're going to have me on this show soon to talk about something. Uh, but I wanted to talk about Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978, which is a really, really cool, creepy movie. I'm going to get a little spoilery in the call here, so if people don't want to hear stuff, they should plug their ears and not listen for a while. I love this film. I saw it in the theater. I was in college. I think, actually, I may have seen it with my father, who was actually uh, an administrator at the college that I went to at the time. I don't remember his reaction, but my reaction was, this was insanely cool and very, very creepy. Now, I want to point out now that what we saw is the original cut, which is the R-rated version, which has some nudity in it. There is a PG-rated version, too, that... Uh, frankly, I, I think loses some of the impact because one of the things about the nudity in this film is that it, it tears at you as an audience member because, you know, you're like, ooh, nudity, that's really interesting. And it's also incredibly creepy. It's like, oh, God, that's that's horrible. And so I, I would highly recommend the R-rated version for people that want to see it. The uh, The moment in the film where the dog with the human face came out had people screaming in the theater i remember that distinctly because it was shocking i don't think we'd ever seen anything like that in a film before remember this is like three years before uh, john carpenter's the thing so there was real a real difference there in seeing that and it was very creepy and again in the spoilery territory the iconic image from this film is one that completely ruins the ending of the film. So people should kind of try to avoid seeing the iconic image from the film. As sadly you did, so you know what happens, more or less, uh, at, at a point in the film where those of us that saw it originally were completely on the edge of our seat, seats and blown away when the iconic image of the film happened. So uh, hopefully it didn't spoil it too, too much. That's all, about all I've got to say. That, uh, you and I are going to talk about the original Body Snatchers sometime soon. Thanks to this. It was like, wow, you've never done this? Let's do it. And we're going to do it. So that's cool. And we'll do the rallies at some point, too. So that's about all, about all i got to say. I've been loving the show, Dr. X. Thing with Seth Godin, uh, Penny Dreadful, just awesome dark shadows all the time. You know me. Anyway, talk to you soon. Steve Sullivan. Signing out. Yeah, and I mentioned that during the conversation, the whole Donald Sutherland pointing and screaming. Yeah, I I wish I didn't know that, but that's kind of the downside to having not seen a lot of these so-called or quote-unquote classics. You kind of know through meme culture and just for references and pop culture and all that what some of the secrets are. Uh, for example, and I know it's not a classic per se, at least not something we cover here on Monster Kid Radio. This Friday is Friday the 13th, and I'm going to be showing the original Friday the 13th to somebody for the very first time on Friday the 13th. She's never seen the film, yet 
I suspect she already knows that it's not about spoiler <laughs> Jason Voorhees per se. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Personally, I would have preferred to show her Black Friday, but you know, she wants to see Friday the Thirteenth, so that's what we're watching. Anyway, uh, yeah, sometimes I, I wish. I hadn't not seen a lot of these movies so that these things weren't already spoiled for me. Also, uh, nudity. Well, that's interesting. Okay. That's, that's putting it mildly there, Steve. Uh, <laughs> um, Steve, I love you, man. But Steve, uh, gang will, uh, when he's in the monster kid movie club chat, when I'm showing a movie that has had both a, uh, r-rated and a pg-rated version or nudity or no nudity or whatever he will immediately ask whether or not we're showing the scene the film with the nudity with the film with the nude scene in it um yeah just just an observation buddy um <laughs> but you're right i think by adding the nudity you kind of add an extra level of uh to the whole thing I don't know if it was needed per se to get that point across. Like we didn't see the Donald Sutherland thing growing, you know, full nude. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for calling in, man. And yeah, the, the Seb Godain, uh, Penny Dreadful, just all the previous guests have been awesome. Been really kind of nailing it and knocking it out of the park with the guests, man. They make the show. They really do. And you'll be making the show next week when we do the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. All right, we got another voicemail here from Captain Billy. Hey, Derek. Hey, group. Captain Billy here. Hey, you actually showed a movie I actually own, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Uh, I've had a copy of this. Well, I don't know. According to the back of the box, this is the 1998 MGM DVD version. I assume I fished it out of a $5 bin at a Walmart probably in 2000 or so. Um, the reason I bought it, because it had the Phil, I'm assuming the reason I bought it, because it had the Phil Kaufman uh, commentary on it. Because usually I don't bother buying DVDs unless I at least have a commentary. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, I, um, I had never seen it. So you finally gave me an excuse to pull it off the shelf and watch it. Because, you know, it's only been 20 years. Give me some time. I'll keep, I'll keep up with everything. So uh, a few comments Phil Kaufman made that weren't mentioned on the film, because I, I watched it with the commentary. Of course, uh, um, the lighting, he purposely lit the film like a noir film with all the shadows and the uh, arched angles and everything like that. Again, he said to uh, give it that creepiness, and he always loved noir, I guess, as a format. And he said when he, whenever the monsters or the aliens would appear or would be a threat on the screen, he always lit everything with purple and green lighting to give it that skew. Again, not the most detailed commentary, but um, some of the things that uh, things he pointed out his wife appears in the film Rose during the party sequence, I believe, when Jeff Goldblum also first appears on screen. She's the dark-haired woman talking to him. Uh, and then Coffin himself makes an appearance. There's that montage sequence in the middle when Donald Sutherland is trying to get a hold of somebody on the phone to listen to him. There's a gentleman who walks up on him with a beard and a big floppy hat. That's Kaufman. That was his lucky hat, he said in the commentary. He had shot, wore that hat while he was shooting films in the 70s, uh, all the ones that were hits for him. And then eventually in the 80s, he made a couple of flops, and his wife told him, that's not your lucky hat anymore. So, And then that hat also makes an appearance during that party sequence. There's a, a shot of people on a balcony all staring at the camera. And um, that hat is worn by a gentleman uh, off to the left. Uh, he said that was his tribute to Dashiell Hammett. It was a, a tribute to Dashiell Hammett. So again, that noir uh, feeling. So um, the other thing is that that 
priest in the Vienna film, that is Robert Duvall. So he uh, was happened to be in San Francisco while they were shooting, and I guess him and Kaufman were friends. Again, I don't have Kaufman's IMDb in front of me, so I don't know where they worked before. But he asked Duvall if he wanted to be in the film. He said, sure, and he put him in a priest robe because he said, Kaufman said, well, every horror movie should have a priest in it, shouldn't it? So, and that's why he is staring into the camera because he says that in, in his opinion, his, in his mind, that uh, Duvall is the first person to be taken over by the alien. So when Duvall shows up in the beginning of the film, I, oh, I didn't know Robert Duvall was in this. And then the com- when I watched it again with the commentary, I said, oh, that's why. And he's only in the one scene. He never shows up again in the film. Kaufman said he would have people who were taken over stare into the camera because it's just that creepy offsetting thing, and that's how you knew those people had been converted and to create that uh, claustrophobia, just that paranoia feeling. So about the soundtrack, uh, I don't have the gentleman's name in front of me, but the gentleman who created the soundtrack, that is the only thing he ever did because Kaufman, it was a friend, personal friend of Kaufman's, I believe he said from college, and he knew he was a jazz musician, and he asked him to make, and I guess he enjoyed this, his music, and he asked him to do the soundtrack personally. And I guess he talked him into it. And after it was done, Kaufman asked him to make, do a soundtrack for more films for him afterwards. And he said, no, I did not enjoy the experience. And it was not fun for me. And I will not do it. And that is why it was the only soundtrack I ever created. And yes, it is a very interesting, between that and the sound design, yes, it's very creepy sounding. So yeah, he didn't like it because it worked hard. So I realized I had the DVD on my shelf. And again, I hadn't watched it since I bought it because... I mean, I could just shelf a DVD. I probably, there's probably 300 DVDs on this shelf, and the, unfortunately, the vast majority of which I haven't watched. So, so I was thinking about it, though, because um, I always wondered, because, I had, uh, again, I know there's an Arrow release of this film and a um, Shout Factory release of this film. And I always thought, well, I thought, well, typically when I buy a DVD, I don't bother upgrading it, because I did upgrade from VHS to DVD on a lot of movies, particularly the Universal Monsters I had on the VHS copies. I probably had about 20 movies or so when the DVDs started coming out. And I saw, oh, well, you get a, all the movies in one package, all the Frankenstein movies in one package, and there's commentaries and there's documentaries, all kinds of extra. It To me, it made sense to upgrade from the VHSs to the DVDs. Then it's what well, that has to do with how much you love a movie after that, doesn't it? Because I have DVDs. Like I said, I've got plenty of DVDs, plenty I haven't gotten to yet. So there's no point in me upgrading. So that's why I never upgraded to the Blu-rays on the Universal movies because I have all the – DVDs and I have I have all that makes me happy and I know the picture quality is supposed to be better, but I have gotten I've gotten Blu-rays of movies that I already own the DVDs of from the library. By the way, as a side note, please use your local library. There are thousands of movies at that library you haven't seen, and make sure you look in every section and check on the websites because um, I walked by my foreign film section one time, my local library, and there was a box set of Gamera movies in the foreign film section. So make sure you double check in your local library. Uh, so I thought, well, when do you upgrade and when do you not upgrade? Do you bother? I mean, there's people who collect VHS and they love VHS. So I thought an interesting show topic might be, uh, and the, t- the title I came up with is VHS versus DVD versus Blu-ray versus 4K versus streaming. When do you upgrade? How do you collect? What do you collect? When do you buy deluxe versions? What movies? I mean, I have the deluxe version of um, Forbidden Planet and the King Kong steelbook that came out from Best Buy with Mighty Joe Young and Son of Kong in there. So there's some things I'm willing to pay full price for. Usually have to be movies that are dear to my heart. But once I have, like, I, the Forbidden Planet, I have the DVD deluxe tin can that came out. But I didn't bother upgrading to the Blu-ray. But accidentally, my daughter ended up buying it for my birthday anyway, a couple of, once it came out. 
But again, most movies, I don't bother upgrading the Blu-ray. Usually if I buy a Blu-ray, it's something I didn't own before. So I don't feel the necessity. Once I, because I, I got rid of my VHSs, like I said, all those uh, universals went on eBay at one point. But once I got the DVD, I didn't bother upgrading. So again, I think it would be an interesting show topic. It would be interesting to have maybe a roundtable discussion with two or three regulars on the show. And like I said, to discuss how much money do you spend? Do you upgrade? Do you not upgrade? Do you not, you can get, uh, not everything. Of course, you can't get everything streaming, but since you can get a lot of movies streaming, do you just get rid of everything? I have two DVRs in my house with movies on them. And, um, and movies on that I've been saving and I haven't gotten around to watching or, so again, the question, so good show topic. And again, I encourage everyone to call the hotline and tell Derek in the endless rambling way I'm telling Derek now, what do you collect? How do you collect? And when do you upgrade and do you not upgrade? So, uh, again, Derek, thank you very much for putting up with my nonsense. Thank you very much. Great show as always, Derek. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, first of all, I remember the Robert Duvall thing, and I, I just kept forgetting to bring it up when I was talking with Jonathan about the movie. I did think it was a little weird. I think it was a little oddly placed, but you're absolutely right. Horror movies in the 70s had priests. It was just a thing. It was a trope. It's one of those, those things you had to have, I guess. Uh, you know, I totally relate to the lucky hat thing. Uh, back when I thought I'd be a filmmaker when I grew up, I was taking video production courses over and over and over again because that was how I had access to editing equipment so I can make my movies, you know, as a kid, as a college student, whatever. And I had, oh man, a fedora that I would wear. Uh, I picked it up at a indie filmmaker uh, video production convention thing. There was a hotel and a gift shop attached to it. And I picked it up at the gift shop and it kind of became my filmmaking hat, my movie making hat. And I wore it on a lot of different sets, but <laughs> sets, shoots. Uh, I did stop wearing it though when we accidentally hit a car. <laughs> I don't know if I remember blaming the hat or not, but yeah, it wasn't really a lucky hat. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else. You know, the topic that you brought up, the VHS to DVD to Blu-ray to streaming and all that. And whether or not you're going to double dip or triple dip or, or rebuy movies that have come out in a newer format. I use a website called DVD Compare, which is over at DVDCompare.net. Uh, actually, I think it's called Rewind. But yeah, just go to DVDCompare.net. You can type in a movie and it will show you all the different worldwide releases, for the most part, of the movie that you're looking up, what each release has special features wise, and then which one, quote unquote, wins if you were to try to compare which one is the better release. So if you're looking for a version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you type that in, see how many different companies have put it out. Uh, which companies have which commentary tracks, making ofs, behind the scenes, all that uh, information is there. And it's it's really useful. Now, I haven't bought a new movie oh, in months. Uh, and I don't think I'll be buying anything new anytime soon just because of, well, I did the whole, you know, job money thing. But when I was looking for movies, this is where I would go uh, to look up uh, information about what movies to pick up. Um I love the topic idea. I think it might make a really interesting panel discussion too at a convention, which is something that I've been trying to come up with, to be honest. I've been trying to come up with some neat panel suggestions for the various conventions around here, assuming they don't get shut down again. Now that things are starting to pick back up in terms of the COVID and all that. Um, and I felt like I've kind of run a, 
I've run my course with talking about classic monster movies at comic book conventions and that sort of thing. But this is a great topic for a panel discussion. And, you know, why not? We can see it as a conversation here on the show as well. And you heard Captain Billy call in and let me know what you think. If you have any thoughts about what he just said here regarding whether or not you should upgrade or update your collection, pick up the new Blu-ray when a Blu-ray comes out versus the DVD or whatever. Hey, I was a huge fan of Army of Darkness. And how many times did that come out on DVD? Okay, I totally get it. And I feel your pain. So yeah, call in or write in about that, about Invasion of the Body Snatchers, about anything you've heard on any episode of Monster Kid Radio. Would love to talk with you about it here on the show and use it for a future feedback conversation. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. Well, gang, turns out Carnival of Souls didn't happen. Um... Just it didn't work out and I didn't go, which is just as well because I couldn't find my audio recorder either. So I didn't go. There's no content from Carnival of Souls. Uh, there's no conversation with Dominique or anything like that. But I'll tell you this. Carnival of Souls is an awesome movie. You should definitely go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Man, it is so good. I'm sure I'll talk about it again in the future here on the show. I know we've talked about it in the past years ago with Rich Chamberlain from the Classic Horrors club podcast uh it, it's just a phenomenal movie it's it's really good but yeah it just didn't happen uh wasn't in the cards it is what it is i gotta be flexible to make my life and make this podcast work it is 12 43 a.m pacific time on thursday so i want to go ahead and start wrapping up because i want to get this out to the monster kid radio faithful here before it gets too much later. And while well, I've still got the energy to make sure I can edit this cleanly and get it out to you without <laughs> sounding like more of a rambling mess than it already is. Big thanks to Steve and Captain Billy for calling in and giving me a little bit of feedback, some voicemail that I can play on this episode of Monster Kid Radio to kind of stretch out the length and give you something worthwhile this week. And huge thanks to Mark Matsky as well. The Beta Capsule Review. I look forward to his Beta Capsule Review coming in every week. Uh, you know, he sends it to me a few days early and I listen to it right then because, you know, producer privilege, I get to listen to it early. And then I'm eager to listen to it again as I'm cutting it around the uh, music that I have in place for his segment. And yeah, it's just, uh, Mark, you're knocking it out of the park, man. You really are. Thank you. And how cool was it that this week's episode of Ultraman that he talked about had a kind of sort of Olympic tie-in, sort of, maybe, with the Olympics having just wrapped up. I I don't know. Anyway, huge thanks to everybody who contributed to the show. And huge thanks to you, gang, for writing in, for calling in, for listening, for sharing tweets and posts and retweeting and reposting and just letting people know about Monster Kid Radio. You can learn everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio over at monsterkidradio.net. You can send people there to learn more about the podcast. You can subscribe to the show there. You can look at the entire backlog. The entire archives are all right there. Links to everything that we've talked about in the show notes. We'll be there as well. Links to our Twitter, our Facebook, our Facebook page and group, uh, Reddit, our Discord. And on Twitch, you can find a link to our Twitch as well. This Saturday, we are showing nothing but Boris Karloff stuff, movies and television. And I'm sure Scott's pre-show will have a hearty dose of 
Boris Karloff as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I can tell you right now, you're going to see some Colonel March. You're going to see a movie in there called Night World featuring Boris Karloff. It's from 1932, I believe. It's not a monster movie, but darn it, I dig it because it's Karloff. And, you know, it's just a fun movie. I, I like the movie, okay? So you're going to see it this Saturday over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio or monsterkidmovie.club, which is also the home of the Astronomy Club, where we in the past have shown science fiction movies, but lately we've been doing nothing but serials. And right now we're in the middle of The Spider's Web and Masked Marvel. So if you are into that sort of thing, join us there on Tuesday. You can find information about this on our website as well and links to Twitch and everything. And just stay tuned for all of that. Now, next week on the show, Steve and I need to kind of reschedule because in the time between setting up the recording and now my plans kind of changed for the week and my availability kind of changed. So I'm not going to be able to record with him tomorrow night as I originally thought, but I'm still committing to make sure we get that recording in before too long, because it will be on next week's episode of monster kid radio. when we return to our regular format. So come back for that, for some invasion of the body snatchers, the original film with Kevin McCarthy in the lead. I, oh man, that movie, I'm so glad that it's part of my life now that I've started watching it. Um, I've seen it more than once since the first time I watched it, and I can't wait to watch it again before I talk about it with Steve. Also, I know she doesn't listen, but if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see that today, August 12th, is my mother's birthday. So happy birthday to my mom. If you do follow me on Facebook, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, I started a thread yesterday wishing her a happy birthday and acknowledging that it doesn't happen until tomorrow or today. I guess it was tomorrow. Anyway, please consider dropping her a note and just say happy birthday because I think it'd be awesome if she just got blown up on Facebook with a whole bunch of notifications about people saying happy birthday to her because, well, I just think that would be neat. <laughs> the truth is, and I mentioned this on Facebook, I wouldn't be the monster kid that I am today. If my mom wasn't part of the picture, if not for my mom, always backing me, despite my weird interests and fandoms, uh, my refusal to write anything quote unquote normal, uh, you know, all of this, she's always backed me. She helped me make Halloween costumes. If I wanted to be a monster, she helped me make a homemade monster costume. You know, if I needed somebody to do a weird voice in a science fiction movie I was making for school, she was there to do it. And I just appreciate her always having my back there. So happy birthday, mom. Uh, and I hope a number of monster kids, uh, like I said, blow up your Facebook messenger <laughs> or not messenger, but at least notifications letting you know that, you know, everybody's thinking about you. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song, and I know I'm going to get it wrong. I'm so sorry. Souvenir de Futur. It is from the surf band Arno Decia and the Clockwork Wizards. You can find it on their album Retro Futurismo Volume 2. There will be a link in the show notes. It is copyright 20. 21, Arno Decia and the Clark Work Wizards. My name is Derek Kim Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.